Well, there was this woman, she was about 45 years old, and uh, she uh, <clears throat> decided to put her Christmas list on the refrigerator so that her husband could see the Christmas list. However, she decided not to list individual items, but rather she just left a note that said, please get me something that will make me sexy and beautiful. Well, on Christmas Day, when she opened up her husband's gift to her shock and dismay, it was an exercise bike. Now, the moral there or the lesson there might be that uh, you want to be a little more specific in what you ask for, or you shouldn't marry a blockhead. You can choose which lesson you want to. All right. It's hard to believe, but Christmas is just one week away, isn't it? So I thought we should just continue the Christmas theme this morning, and I want to talk to you about great expectations Great expectations. Lord, I just thank you for our time of worship. I thank you for each and every person here. I believe that you brought them here. There are no coincidences. There are no accidents. And so I'm asking for your great grace and blessing upon each person here. You have something for them to receive from you. You are the greatest gift giver of all. And so I ask that the gift that you have for each and every person will be received because they will have a soft heart that will receive. They will have ears that can hear. I ask that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head, and that I would truly be filled with your Holy Spirit. May your word come forth this morning in clarity and in power. And I just thank you now for what you're going to accomplish in these next several minutes, and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Expectations, they cause problems for us, don't they? Don't they? You know, I think most of us know that we are one week away from Christmas, so next Sunday is December 25th. The next day is December 26th, and that is actually a special day. Does anybody know what day that is? Close. It's actually a holiday. It's National Winers Day. That's true. It is an actual day. You can look it up. It's National Winers Day. And according to the National Winers website... National Winers Day is observed on December 26th each year. As you can imagine, this is the day to whine about anything and everything in life, including the Christmas presents you did and did not receive. If you are already a whiner, and most Americans are, according to Phil Graham, the former Texas senator, this will come very easy for you. For those rare people who do not generally whine, find something that's annoying you and whine incessantly about it. You may not be able to change it, but you can gripe and whine your heart out. You'll feel so much better. So go ahead and whine because no one can blame you for whining like a baby today. You know, there you have it. My question is, why do we whine at all? Why do we whine at all? And the answer is, or at least the short answer, is because we are disappointed. Disappointment occurs when our expectations exceed our experience. Someone once said, the way not to be disappointed is not to have any expectations. There are probably some truth to that. All too often, you know, Christmas can be a real downer for us, can it? I mean, think about it. Uh, There's such a buildup to Christmas. There's these great expectations about Christmas. Uh, You know, it's going to be a happy time. Everyone in our family is going to get along together. Everyone's going to get what they want. And there's just going to be the supernatural peace that just descends upon our house, right? 
And all of a sudden reality hits and our expectations far exceed our experience and we are disappointed. Skip, can you put up the picture? You know, one of my favorite, favorite parts of the Christmas story, and it might be yours, is actually the wise men. The wise men just absolutely fascinate me. So just to refresh your memory about the wise men, Skip, can you put up that portion of scripture in Matthew chapter 2? Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About the time some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw a star as it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone else in Jerusalem. He called the meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them that the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, the reality is the wise men were not actually at the first Christmas. They were about nine to ten months late. And it's not because, as some women think, that the wise men got lost and they were too stubborn to ask for directions. The Christmas scenario actually goes like this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. And on that night, there was a magnificent star that was shown in the sky and it was announcing his birth. There were some wise men in the east about a thousand miles away and they knew that that star was announcing the birth of a king, even a messianic figure. And about nine to ten months later, they arrived in Bethlehem. And do you know what they saw? Do you know where that star led them to? That star led them to, it said, a house. Really, what it was was a small, broken-down stone shack. Skip, can you put up that picture? That's what these guys pulled up to. Pretty impressive, don't you think? Can you imagine, no, think about it. Can you imagine what those wise men, this royalty was thinking? They traveled a thousand miles from Persia and they've been following this incredible, magnificent star. The star leads them all the way to Bethlehem and it stops over a small, broken down stone shack that looked like that. Do you think that they might have been disappointed? Do you think their expectations exceeded their experience? These guys are palace men. They're not ghetto house men, but they're palace men. What about you? What about your expectations? Have you ever pulled out your high school yearbook and just started paging through it? Sure you have. We've all done that at one time or another. And you begin to read 
what people, what some of your friends wrote in the yearbook. And many of them wrote about the great things that you were going to accomplish, the great things that you were going to do. You were going to make your mark in the world. Do you remember that? And now, at least up to this point, those expectations have far exceeded your experience. How about some of you younger people? Maybe you've just graduated from college. You've got your diploma under your arm. You're $100,000 in debt. But you've got great expectations. You're going to conquer the world. You're excited. You've been studying for four or five years for this particular job or profession. Then you begin the job. You begin the profession. And within six months to a year, you find out that it's not all that it was cracked up to be. In fact, it's not even something you really like to do. And your expectations far exceed your experience. And you are disappointed. You know, too often I've stood on a stage or an altar like this. Young couple facing me. Beautiful. So much promise. In fact, everyone that was observing and looking on on the wedding saw so much potential in this couple. So much greatness and possibilities for their marriage. Yet several years later, Their marriage lay in the ruins of unfulfilled expectations. And they end up in divorce. And they are very disappointed. I know some people, they put in long hours of work. Expectations of a promotion just dancing in their heads. Day after day, they're putting in 10 hours at work. Really putting their hopes And some promotion. And then one day they show up at work. And they found out the promotion that they were working so hard for. Was giving to a less deserving employee. And their expectations. Their expectations have far exceeded their experience. And they're disappointed. You know. Not too long ago, I read about this pastor. That's my profession. And I read about this guy whose expectations far exceeded his experience. And he wrote these words. My counselor has finally forced me to face the fact that I am a failure in my ministry. Permit me to list my evangelical demerits. I've never been to the Holy Land. I mean, not even as a visitor, let alone as a tour guide. I wince whenever I see those ads that say, go to the Holy Land in a religious magazine. My wife even stopped buying kosher wieners because they make me feel convicted. Every program I've ever started has failed. Our evangelism explosion program uh, didn't explode. It gave an embarrassed pop and rolled over and it died. I attended a church growth seminar. And while I was gone, six families left the church. A refugee family that we tried to sponsor refused to come. The last I heard, they were seeking asylum in a Chinese restaurant in St. Louis. Whenever I trial dial a prayer, I get the wrong number usually a funeral home or a chicken carryout place. I tried dial a meditation, and the tape broke after the first sentence, which was, so things aren't going well today for you. Our church teams never win any games, baseball, basketball, volleyball, shuffleboard, you name it, and we've lost at it. I have been told that the failure, that failure can be the back door to success, but the door seems to be locked, and I can't find the key. This is a person whose expectations have far exceeded his experience. And he is very, very disappointed. 
Now, what I find very intriguing, and you ought to find intriguing, is the wise man's response to what I have just said, what must have been a very disappointing experience when they pulled up to that small, broken down stone shack. I mean, think about it. They could have said, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. This is a bad joke. And they could have turned around in bitterness and in anger and frustration and gone back to Persia, to Babylon. But I want you to watch. I want you to see how these wise men did respond to that experience. Again, chapter 2 and verse 11, we're told this. They went into, now watch this. They went into the house and they saw the child with his mother and they bowed down and they worshiped him. They opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know what the truth is? The truth is, in every age, wise men find themselves in disappointing situations. They find themselves in situations they didn't ask for. They found themselves in situations they weren't expecting. And instead of being frustrated and angry and bitterness, they say to themselves, you know what? God must be here. God must be here in this broken down stone shack of an experience. You know, when my three girls were young, they liked the Where's Waldo books. Skip, can you put that up? There they are. You know, and I have to confess something. I actually like the Where's Waldo books. I'm a guy. Guys tend to like three things in a book. The first thing they want in a book is they want pictures. And the Where Waldo's books have that. The second thing a guy wants in a book is action or a challenge. And again, the Where's Waldo books have that. The third thing guys want in a book is sex. The Where's Waldo books do not have that. <laughs> but two out of three isn't bad. And so women, if you're still looking for that perfect gift for your man, <laughs> Jeff Eckstein... One of our pastors highly recommends the Where's Waldo book. Skip, can you put up his picture? Yes. Now that was for free. Now according to Martin Hanford, he is the creator of the Where's Waldo books. He assures us, now listen to this, he assures us that Waldo is on every single page in, in his books. Now, being somewhat observationally challenged, I'm not always so sure about this. You see, to the untrained eye, Waldo appears missing in action. And what makes Waldo so difficult to find is that he appears so ordinary. He just kind of blends in to the background. And most people just miss him. But the reality is, Waldo is really there. Who would have guessed 2,000 years ago that when those wise men pulled up to that broken down stone shack, that inside that broken down stone shack was God. He, He was disguised as a baby, so ordinary. Skip, can you put up the picture? Do you realize that in the cranium of that baby was the very mind of God? In that chest cavity was the very heart of God beating. See those tiny little fingers? Emanating from those tiny little fingers was the very power of God. 
And surging through that tiny little baby's veins and arteries was the very blood of God that would bring the world redemption one day. My question to you is this. Who would have thought that? Why in the world? Here's here's even a bigger question. Why did the wise men see God in that broken down stone shack 2,000 years ago? I'll tell you why. The short answer is this. It's because they scraped, they scrapped their expectations, they scrapped their feelings, and instead they chose to move in faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is absolutely impossible to please God. And you ask, well, how did these wise men move in faith? I'll tell you how they moved in faith. They actually knew some of the Old Testament scriptures. For example, they knew Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17. Do you realize that 550 years before, the wise men traveled 1,000 miles all the way to Bethlehem, a Hebrew prophet by the name of Daniel was held captive there. He was taken all the way from Jerusalem and brought into captivity in Babylon and Persia. And what we understand is that he brought some of the Hebrew parchments. Not all of them, but some of them. One of them clearly was Numbers 24 and chapter, or verse 17. I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. Now watch this. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. 500, for 550 years, do you understand before Jesus was born, these guys are searching the horizon. They are looking for a star that's going to arise from the east and it's going to announce the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And one day, after 550 years, they look up in the sky and there it is. There they see that star. And so, you know, they jump on their camels And they trek 1,000 miles across the Fertile Crescent to Jerusalem. Skip, put up the map just so you can see what these guys, how far they traveled. There's the map. They traveled from Persia over the Fertile Crescent all the way to Jerusalem, about 1,000 miles. It takes somewhere to 9 or 10 months. And when they get to Jerusalem, they were given a scripture they probably didn't have from Daniel. Remember, they talked to Herod, and they said, Herod, do you know where the king of the Jews is to be born? And Herod doesn't know. And so he asked for the religious leaders, and the religious leaders give him Micah 5 too. Skip, put that up. And so they learned another scripture that day. But you, O Bethlehem, Epaphrata, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. And so these guys, they're excited now. They jump on their two hump camels and and they begin to make their six mile pilgrimage from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. They're following that magnificent star that they have seen in the sky. And suddenly that magnificent star, it stops over, Skip, put it up. It stops over this. It stops over a small stone broken down shaft. Can you believe it? Can you imagine the expectation they had as they're going from Jerusalem to Bethlehem? 
And no doubt when they got there and they pull up to something like that, they had to be disappointed. They had to be somewhat confused. They thought, no, certainly they thought that star would stop at a palace. I mean, that's where kings are born. They're not born in shacks. They're born in palaces. But listen now, please listen to this last part. These wise men chose to leave their human expectations, their human feelings behind. And instead they chose to move in faith the truth of scriptures, the scriptures that we just looked at. And when they pulled up to that stone shack, when they pulled up to that, they said to themselves, because of the scriptures, because of the truth, you know what? God! The king of kings and the Lord of lords, he's got to be in there somewhere. And they got off those camels. Now listen to me. They got off those camels. And I believe in faith, when they moved in faith and they went into that house, the Holy Spirit moved supernaturally on them, took off the veil off their eyes, and they didn't just see a human king. They saw God. They saw God. Well, let me challenge us now. See, amazing things can happen when we check our human expectations at the door and we begin to move in faith. And so here is my challenge. What expectations do you have? I want you to just think about it now. What expectations do you have for Christmas that's coming up? What expectations do you have about marriage? Maybe parenting. What expectations do you have about a profession or a job? What expectations do you have about just life in general? You know what I find so often is the greatest problem people have? They don't know whether their expectations are good. How do you know if the expectations that you have right now are good? How do you know if they're right? So often what I find out is that most people that I have met have expectations that do not match up with, the God, with God's plan and God's word. I want to say that again. Most people's expectations do not match up with the word of God and God's plans. Let me just give you two scriptures for your thinking. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. Skip, put it up. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance. Now watch this. And he makes everything work out according to his plan. <laughs> what, what was that? No, no, see, because th- this, this is a huge point. He makes everything work out according to what? <laughs> God is the sovereign of the universe. Now, you got to watch this. He's got a plan. Let's get put up the next verses. Jesus wrote this to, I love the church at Philadelphia. This is one of the great churches, all right, in the book of Revelation. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. The one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things that you do. And I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Now, these are two theologically freighted verses. I don't have the time to unpack them, but I'll tell you what they mean simply. The God of the universe has a plan. 
There isn't anyone that's going to change that plan. Please listen to me, because a lot of sorrow and a lot of pain comes in the lives of people. Please listen to me. God has a plan. It is going to happen. And he says for the believer that that plan includes a plan for you. And he opens doors for you, and he closes doors for you. He opens doors for you, and he closes doors for you. And guess what? Do you know who the wise person is? See, the wise person isn't the one who tries to force open a door. Not smart. Might as well just go run your head into that wall. Do you know what made the wise men wise? Anybody know? Do you know what made the wise men wise? The wise men didn't seek their own plans. They sought God's plans. They sought God's plans through the word. And in faith, they walked it out. And they joined God in his plans. And what happened to them? They saw something spectacular. They saw something extraordinary. Wise men still live. And I'm going to tell you this morning that the wise person is the person who doesn't determine and have their own expectations. Say, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. You are going to have a very sad and tragic life. You are going to have a very frustrated life. The wise person is the person who seeks out the plans of God through the word of God, through truth, and you join him in the plans that he has for you. Trust me, you don't have to barge any doors open. He opens doors for you, and he will close doors for you. The greatest mistake you can make is to say, I want this guy, I've seen women, I want this guy, I'm going to marry this guy, and then they marry hell. I want this job. I want this job. I'm going to have this job. And you know what? Sometimes God will give you that job. And you get the job from hell. Do you want to experience Christmas? Do you you want the greatest Christmas present of all? Then become a wise person. You have that ability. You begin to search the plans of God. Ask him, Lord, he has plans for you. What are the plans that you have for me? And then you join him in his plans. And guess what? The ordinary becomes extraordinary. Expectations become reality then. Expectations become reality. Father, I pray. For every person here, Holy Spirit, I believe you're moving on our hearts. There's no more profound truth than that was shared right now at the end. Oh, that we would know that you are God. You are God. You are sovereign. You have the plan. It will not be altered. And the wise person seeks to know that plan through the word of God, through prayer, through listening to the Holy Spirit and joining that plan, seeing the doors that you open, walking in faith through those doors and seeing something extraordinary happen. I pray that for every person now. As we sing this last song, may you have your way with our hearts now. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen.